Hi, it's me, Sam, from Everyone's Weird and Sorry podcast. Sometimes we all crave a little variety, something different, something more entertaining and less time-consuming, something that lets our brain shut off the constant pondering of human existence and lets us laugh at it instead. Something weird, dare I say. Have you been looking elsewhere for this? Well, stop it. We made this for you. Specifically for you, Kevin, Kyle, Susan, Mary, Jan, Steve, Jeff, and all the other names. This is Everyone Who Is Weird's Variety Hour, but mostly yours. You're welcome. I hope. You're going to love all of it, you sillies. Nice. How you doing, Sam? Good. How are you? I'm really good. I, uh, I was just going through, you know, as one does, just going through some of the old archives and... I found the picture book that I wrote uh, a few years back. So pretty, pretty happy to uh, to have come across that one. Please do tell more about this. You oh uh, well I I have a copy. If uh, oh you do can you show us? If, if you yeah of course I'd I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be happy to. I mean I'm always happy to show myself and my Don't accomplishments. Don't make me show you. Don't make me show you. Okay, fine. Don't make me sing. Don't make me dance. Uh, so, uh, this is my picture book. Squirk the Squirrel Has Lost His Way. Uh, I wrote it probably about ooh, four or five years ago now. Okay. Uh, Squirk, uh, I like the I name, it's good. Inspiration came when I was, uh, I was supervising a test uh, as a teacher many years ago, and suddenly this jumped into my head. Uh, so I wrote it down, and then put it all together in um, the, this rough draft format you'll see here. Now the pictures, I know, are a little rough. I'm not a professional artist, so this is more of like a, a sketch outline. But yeah, here we go. Squirk the Squirrel has lost his way. Squirk the Squirrel runs all about, tail wriggling as he goes. For where he left his acorns, not even Squirrick knows. He darts around the elm tree, and he digs under the oak. He hopes a rabbit didn't hide them, <laughs> as a funny rabbit joke. Mr. Pricklepoke the Hedgehog asks him in for toffee toast, but Squirrick shan't stop searching for the food he loves the most. He's whizzing past the waxthorn woods. He's passed by Potter's Pond. He's run right to the edge of sight, and now he's run beyond. He stops to rest on Bramble Hill. He smells the flowery breeze. He remembers Paris. He thinks of Linda. He is always thinking of Linda. What is he doing? Looking for acorns? It's the middle of June, and his hidden stashes have been empty for months. Oh, Jesus. Cynthia must be awake by now. It's been getting harder and harder to hold the shards together. He knows Cynthia can tell. Not about all of it, of course. She must never know about Linda. So many times in a day he tells himself that Linda doesn't matter anymore, that it's behind him except when he closes his eyes at night, pretending not to hear Cynthia's quiet sobs. 
Then he scrunches up his face, reliving the furious ecstasy of Linda's eyes boring into his as they writhed, challenging him to look away. Then he knows that Linda is all that ever mattered, and he shall never be free of his cursed desire. He tries now to remember why he tore up his letter to Cynthia, why he chose to stay, and now the baby is due in a few weeks. Shit. He wishes he cared more and wonders if this was how his own father had felt. That would explain a lot. He realizes he's been sitting in morning dew and stands. He begins the long trek home, his feet impossibly weighted, Impossible. yet giving his descent no greater speed. <laughs> he wonders if any other squirrel feels so lost, <laughs> then muses that perhaps under the surface they all do. Such comfort is fleeting. And that's my picture book. Um, that's so really good. It's again, really, I, I know, yeah. I know, like, yeah, the, the the drawings could use a little work, and maybe you know, maybe a touch of like color or like watercolor in there might be the might be really nice for the, the kind of the it woodland is, setting. It's very but, um, just universally age appropriate as well. I mean, it didn't take a turn whatsoever that we did not expect. Yeah, I want well, I want you to know that I call every squirrel Scampy though, so Squirk is a new one for me, and I call every rabbit Mark. That, that's good to know. That so feels I feel a like he chose the wrong names. Racist. Um, <laughs> sure. I mean, if, if you notice, there were there were three squirrels named Squirrick, Cynthia, and Linda. So there are at least I feel four so bad squirrel for names. Cynthia. I feel like we should yeah. talk to Cynthia. Yeah. Is that based on a true yeah. story, or I don't? Uh, it's, just, it's just based on squirrels. Oh, okay, yeah. Just like all squirrel drama, like all squirrel, you know. I mean, I hate to generalize, but clearly you can see there's a pattern here. I mean, Squirk's father, Squirk Sr. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Which is, you know, not not to get into the, the historical context here, but strangely, Squirk's father was named Squirk Sr. And then Squirk was born and named Squirk. So you can see there was already a lot of pressure there on what yeah. Squirk was expected to be. You name your yeah. kid anything senior, you're pretty much telling them what they have to name their child, or they'll just look like a moron. But um, yeah, of he never had his own identity. Like, you know, I feel like uh, he really in, in, in a sense he did. In a sense he did, but you know, for none of the good reasons. I mean, his breakdown um, shook the woodland community in in many um, in my hair. Many, many respects. That's that's you know th- th- those are some of the the later volumes. Though I don't want to get into the massacre I too just, much. I but just really it was, feel like if he had just followed his his uh, chase after Linda and like really stuck to that instead of like settling for Cynthia, that we could have like avoided a lot of the drama in the end of that. I don't. Why think do you think he chose? Is, why did he choose Cynthia? Do you just want to be like feel comfortable in life? Do you just need somebody? Is he codependent? Well, you know, like, like all great, great children's authors, I, I don't want to prescribe um, 
the meaning too much. I, I do want to let the reader, you know, f- find their own version of the truth in this. I would just say that um, Squirk's unhappiness is more a consequence of himself than his circumstances, and happiness is something that will elude him purely because he resigns himself to the path of utter destruction. Um, he just can't be happy where he's loss. at. He's always looking for something better. There we go. But yeah, that's um, that's my book. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah, pretty happy that I That's that I really good. That. I can't wait to get that for Arlo and read that. Rosie, you too? Brit. Rosie's and Chuck. He's refusing to answer. <laughs> Hello, I'm Joshua Rex with the Everyone's Bear and So Are You podcast. Regularly, I make obvious observations bluntly. That was Squirt the Squirrel, as read by Ronan Daly, because it's never too early to teach your children about the existential dread and many other intricacies involving adult relationships. Up next, Spooky Stories with Sam. Hey, Matt, how's it going? Hey, pretty good. How are you? Uh, you know, just doing what I do. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Procrastinating because I want to see what you're up to because I'm trying to work and think and I don't like doing either of those things. Oh, yeah, they're both tough. <laughs> yeah. But procrastinating is like, easy. Huh? What'd you say? Uh, procrastinating is easy. It's the, yeah. it's the work and all exactly. that stuff. Why can't procrastinating be a job? That's all I'm saying. I feel like that's all I've been saying my whole life. Like, why can't that just be something that somebody does for a living? Because I would be, like, the world's most, like, expertise. I would be, like, the Elon Musk of procrastination. Oh, yeah. I'd be good at it, too. I'm procrastinating a storm right now with a dog that's trying to get into my face. Is it Kaya? (laughs) No, it's Della. Hold on. Hi, Della. Come here, Della. Where's Della? Hi, Della. What's your baby girls? What's your baby girls? Um, so, no, I was trying to conceptualize a new uh, a segment, like a short for the show, because Ronan has her manifesto. So I was like, what can I do, you know, to, like provide for our variety show? And the one thing I kept coming back to is that my sisters and I used to tell each other scary stories that we just made up, like, on the spot. Like, literally every word out of our mouth was not thought through. But... There were times when they would get so spooky, and the word spooky just keeps resonating in my head. Like, they get so spooky that I would, like, not be able to sleep. Even if I was telling the story myself, I would get scared myself into not sleeping that night or having bad dreams. Why so, I was thinking about telling spooky stories, like, I don't know, like, is anything, has anything spooky happened to you lately? Uh, something pretty spooky did happen, so... Seriously? Um, yeah. I'm going to tell you. Give me one second. I'll be right back. I need a prop. Oh, okay. Okay. Hold on. So I don't know if you've ever seen anything scary, but this is pretty spooky. (laughs) Uh, so at work I'm walking around all the time um, 
and people just leave trash on the floor. So I, I'm always picking up trash. And I picked up a piece of paper and started to crumple it the other day. And I realized it had something on it. And I flipped it over and looked at it. And it was probably the spookiest thing I've ever seen. Um, what is it? Do you have it? Can you see it? Go, go back a little bit further. Spooktacular work? Spooktacular work. Yeah. Was that left for you, do you think? Was it like a message? Maybe because it has no name on it. And so maybe it's for me. Maybe it's for you. Maybe you did spooktacular work. <laughs> I was pretty scared when I picked it up. I mean, you saw the picture. That is spooky. That's, ter- that's super spooky. <laughs> it's terrifying. That is so relevant, yet not a lot to work with. But that's... Uh, oh, my work that, is that, spectacular. Yeah, your your work is definitely spectacular. <laughs> um, that's that's all you got, though. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, all right. I don't know. I I guess there is something freaky about my work. Uh, there's this <laughs> what? there's this weird room upstairs, um, and it was an old fitting room where people used to try on clothes, but we took out all the lights, so it's completely dark. And it has a curtain over the door, and you open the curtain, and it's all body parts. Well, it's mannequins. It is completely full of mannequins, and that thing is freaky. It's all body parts. (laughs) Well, the scariest thing about it is go climb in there, and then radio your coworker to come to that room, and then pop up. Oh, that's great. Pop up at all the bodies like this. (laughs) I like to do that to people. That's some good prank material right there. So why, they're disassembled? Some are disassembled. Some are fully assembled. Some are standing up. Some are laying down. Some are just piles of arms like this. Or legs. Or, oh. I got a shipment. Is there any suggested positions? Like, you know what I mean? So I got a shipment the other day, and I, I usually can tell what's going to be in the box just by the box. And I was like, these boxes don't look like other boxes. And I opened it up, and I was like, what's in this box? What's in the box? You know, like seven. <laughs> it was a head. Just a mannequin head. Just a mannequin head. The movie like, seven. You got seven. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I think that was like the, the mannequin's like... Like retribution. I don't know. I mean, do you think that that was a mannequin thing that they like did that to like send a message to another mannequin or to you? I don't know. I don't even think we ordered the heads. I think they just did (laughs) that. Like, I never placed an order for them, so I don't know why they're here, and we don't have bodies for them. So what are we going to do with the head? (laughs) What are you going to do with the head? I That's great. That Actually, that gives me a little bit of something to go off of. Yeah? A little bit. Yeah, it does. Thank <laughs> you for that. That's great. Yeah. Also really scary. I'm never going to go see that when I come see you at work ever. Well, I get the uh, the wonderful task of moving all those mannequins on Monday when I go back to work. Where I to? Create, I have to create a new mannequin room. Maybe yeah. just, like, assemble them. Or, like, maybe, like, have, like, a, like shelves for like arms or legs or heads and well, then yeah, maybe and then never I, tell me where that room is because you know I'm going to want to go there and you know I'm going to have nightmares so yeah well then I can label all the shelves like head shelf arm shelf, head shelf. leg shelf and then you can become a real serial killer like <laughs> then I can 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's my, actually uh, terrifying. I can use that. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go write my show now. Okay, I gotta go take care of my dogs. It's about to storm. All right, so give them kisses. Out. I will. Bye. I'll talk love to you later. Bye. And now, from everyone's weird, and so are you. Spooky stories with Sam. Episode one. Department store mannequins. Okay, one night, my friend Matt, he was a manager at a sporting goods store in a metro city in a state filled with rural towns. He was working at a mall where there had been a famous shooting. I don't know how many years that was, like nine years ago. And it's been really controversial. About a couple months ago, there was about 11 kids basically that like ran through his store ransacked it like you know it just basically he was the only one there had to hide in his office there was a time when he had to stay overnight in the department store because their alarm system wasn't working and so one night they were going to do a new display oh no what were they going to do with the display they were going to take all of their silver mannequins because they only use silver mannequins and they were going to put them on the floor in a new display for a new Patagonia display and the women's hiking department. I know nothing about sporting goods. This is terrible. Sports ball. So what they did next to the camel back backpacks and the tents and the hiking boots and the kayaks for all the other lesbians um they what they did was they right okay thank you what they did was they they took they they had to go find these mannequins but somebody had stored the mannequins away in a really wrong way they'd put them in a way too small of a room and they dismembered them it definitely wasn't Matt. It was probably a lot of really shitty employees. Definitely not Matt. Um, he would have done like the best job ever at like, you know, probably like organizing them by size and shape and making sure each one like fit together and making sure none of them got damaged in the process and whatever. Anyway, so definitely somebody else. Probably somebody who's been fired since then. Or if it's somebody who still works there named, well, who, who the hell was his friend's name? Was it Logan. Yeah, was it Logan? Whatever. You know what your name is. Was it you? You know what your name is. Who was that guy? What was his name? He was hilarious. I think it was, I feel like he was Logan. You should call that and ask him so we can just call Logan out too. We'll just keep this in though. It's fine. It's good. So anyway, Matt's working late one night. There's been a lot of vandalism around lately. So he's staying around. Being a good manager, making sure everything's set, security system's working, the gates are all down, everybody's out for the night, it's fine. And he's like, I'm going to get a jump start on this for the employees tomorrow because I know that they all have a big day coming up tomorrow because apparently like all the employees for the next day had something going on before they got to work. And he was worried that the display wouldn't be set up correctly if they didn't get there in time. So he decided to get a jump on it. So he went... Up the stairs, and up the stairs he went, clip, clop, 
clap, 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 clap. Second floor. Boom. He looks to his left. There it is. The room. With the mannequins in it. He walks. That's the sound his shoes make for some reason. It's something with the section of the shoes on the floor. He opens the door. There's all the mannequins. They're all in a pile. He's like, oh, shit, this is, like, terrible. Like, I have to do this by myself? Never mind. I'm not going to, like, go above and beyond anymore. He walks away. He starts to walk down the stairs. Or to the stairs, sorry. Then he starts to walk down the stairs. Clip, clop, clip, clop, clip, clop, clip, clop. He gets halfway down. He's like, "Ah, no, I'm the manager. I should just buck up and do this. It's going to take 30 extra minutes. Not a big deal. It'll save me a big headache tomorrow. He turns around. Clip, clop, clip, clop, clip, clop, clip, clop. He opens the door of the mannequins. All of a sudden, he sees all the mannequins are assembled and they're all lurching towards him like this or this or this or this or this or this. this. And he's like, what the hell has been like 30 seconds? (laughs) Who did this in that time? This is obviously witchcraft or some type of spectacular work activity. <laughs> he shuts the door quickly and runs behind him. All of a sudden he hears clip-clop, 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 clip Just the thundering of mannequin feet behind him. He's running on the stairs. He's running on two flights of stairs to get to the gate. And right as he slides under the gate, he sees all of the mannequins behind him just lurching towards him trying to get under the gate. And one lonely hand gets stuck under the gate and separated from the mannequin body. And he hears the cry of a mannequin that sounds somewhat similar to this. Wow! Science hasn't figured out why. So he leaves, goes out the automatic doors, and he gets into his car. He turns the ignition. The car starts. Puts his foot on the gas. Puts his left foot on the brake. Lifts up his left foot. Puts the car in drive. All of a sudden, BAM! Which is apparently another sound that mannequins make. <laughs> the scariest of sounds. Exactly. He feels a mannequin hand on his shoulder. He looks back, only to find it's Miley Cyrus holding a mannequin hand. And next to her is a tribal man who has bones through his neck and ears. He's holding a tomahawk. He is much larger than most tribal men should be. He is also obviously a cannibal, a cave dweller, and incestuous, and really pale. Very white. Yeah. And so she's like, hi, I'm Molly Cyrus. I just needed a ride to my hotel. I'm no mom for a show at the Quest Center, which I don't think is the Quest Center anymore. But it's okay. Could you give me a ride to my hotel? Otherwise, my bodyguard Terrence will bone tomahawk you in the head. And he's like, holy shit, I only have one choice. I either bail out of this car and probably get bone tomahawked by Terrence. Or I drive Miley Cyrus to a show. So obviously, he drives Miley Cyrus downtown to, you know, the old market area in Omaha. And um, 
they end up going to the show. He gets backstage passes. He gets to watch her show. She's half naked through most of it. Uh, this is still really relevant. I don't even care if it's 2023. Miley Cyrus is still relevant. Okay. So is Bone Tomahawk, even though it was released in 2015. I don't care. I don't know anything about media. It's fine. I'm just in it. I don't know about it. Okay. It's like most of us. It's like what we're all doing, which is the spookiest thing of all. But anyway, so... Miley's exiting the stage. She walks up to him. She goes, so here's the deal. People can't really know what went on tonight because we kind of hijacked your car. So, and then all of a sudden he hears in the background, Billy Ersias goes, hey, baby, you're like my tiny, talented little serial killer. And he's like, oh, shit. And from behind him, he feels a wind whip up. And at the corner of his eye, he sees a tomahawk about to crash down on his skull to split his body in half. To be continued. Hello again, I'm Joshua Rex with the Everyone's Weird and So Are You podcast. I make obvious observations bluntly, and it is obvious to everyone here that Sam did not make up that spooky story on the spot. Up next, a spooky story that is based in reality, Ronan Daly with the Ronanifesto. Have you ever wondered if everything you've ever heard has been a lie? Well, you're in luck, because this is the Ronanifesto. From everyone's weird and so are used Ronan daily. When you're told what to believe, choose wisely. Hello. Welcome to the Ronanifesto. Because if they're already listening, and they are, then you should get to hear it as well. Today's truth that I will be revealing is one that may prick a couple of listeners the wrong way, but truth is not always what we want to hear. It is not always pleasant and palatable. It is only necessary. And so, keeping that in mind, I trust you will hear out the evidence that Ted Cruz is a Bigfoot. Raphael Theodore Cruz, allegedly born in Canada, given a Mexican name, and yet also a citizen of the United States, has clearly gone to quite some lengths to cover his tracks, making his exact origins hazy, difficult to track down. If we look at his name, his chosen career title, Ted, Teddy, Teddy Bear, 
what is the bear if not the forest's largest mainstream media accepted furry mammal. That is close as the powers that be will admit to the existence of a Bigfoot. Cruz, of course, being the Spanish or Latin term for cross. What do you get when you cross a man with a large forest dwelling hairy mammal? The missing link. We can see further patterns of this style of naming convention in the popular documentary film Harry and the Hendersons, in which the Henderson family, upon stumbling across an injured Sasquatch, gave it the name Harry, a nod to how hairy he was. Clearly, there is a fondness in Sasquatch circles for giving names that refer to physical attributes or puns, if you will. Now, naturally some of you will have questions at this point. First of all, Ted Cruz stands at an alleged 5 foot 10 inches in height. Well, well under even the smallest recorded Bigfoot height. Naturally, even given his, his weak chin, his watery eyes, his diminutive stance, it's clear Ted Cruz was the runt of a Sasquatch family. He was clearly abandoned as a child, left to die in the woods, uh, where his pathetic frail form was found by some humans who mistook him for one of us, and he was given shelter and a home. Not unlike instances where in the wild, uh, a cheetah comes across a, a baby antelope and rather than doing exactly what we expect nine times out of ten, instead of following the instinct to destroy or remove this creature, someone took pity on the gangly Rich. That was Ted Cruz. And so he was raised as human. Cruz's 
pathetically weak eyes, his weasel-like features, his non-existent chin, and his tendency to grovel around the strongest or uh, most domineering presence in a given room is clear evidence that backs up his weak nature and his desperation uh, for survival. He is a bottom feeder among Sasquatches left to die, and as such uh, he has brought many of those same bottom feeding tropes to his life as a human and of course to his own uh, political career. This is seen most clearly in the famed flipping uh, during the early Republican bid for the 2016 presidential race. Initially, Cruz tried to talk a big game, dismissing Donald Trump as um, unfit for office, as being lacking in decorum, lacking in all the characteristics which a president requires. However, once it became clear that the wind was blowing in Trump's direction, he caved. He showed his soft underbelly. He submitted to the dominant male. Was he happy about this? No. But he did what he needed to to survive. He did what came naturally to him. He made himself an utter bitch. Now, as time went on, something interesting happened. We see him finding a sense of confidence, a sense of belonging, a clear indication that his Sasquatch tribe was something that he fundamentally missed. He began to literally ape the behavior of Donald Trump. Now, while Donald's stature has always been to jut out his chest, often with his arms forward, not unlike um, an approach towards a silverback gorilla, Ted, of course, cannot be seen to do this, as uh, such will be seen as a challenge to the authority of the dominant male. But he has, a, he has aped, at every turn, the tendency to ridicule and insult political opponents, the uh, attempts to take cheap shots, the attempts to win over a crowd with buzzwords, rather than actually achieving anything of any kind of substance whatsoever. And as he adopted this behavior, something incredible happened. He began to sprout tufts of patchy fur down the side of his face. 
after years of repression, after years of trauma-induced stagnation, the Sasquatch known as Theodore Cruz reached adolescence, in effect becoming somewhat closer to, to a man, uh, in, in Sasquatch terms, at least. Now, we know that Trump famously called Ted Cruz's wife, Heidi, ugly, and many have questioned what kind of a man could possibly fail to defend his wife in this situation. But we must not judge by the social standards of humans. Keep in mind that a being such as Ted Cruz more than likely has very little concept of human beauty. Uh, our features are not those that he is programmed to identify and admire. Presumably, with Donald Trump being the, the louder, more aggressive mammal in the room, Ted was simply left with no choice but to believe him, to accept what he was being told. To admit to himself that he did not like his own wife's appearance. Now, is this pathetic? Only by human standards and Sasquatch standards, I suppose, because, again, he is the bottom feeder. He was considered too weak, too pitiful, too pathetic, too cowardly, too spineless uh, to survive. Somehow he does. But, as I said, uh, finding himself in the group of Republicans who had a new taste for politics by insult, politics by populism he began to feel more at home. His instincts came to the surface that little bit more. And we see this very clearly in the evidence of February 2021. During this time, Theodore Cruz came under considerable criticism for what was seen as a cowardly and spineless abandoning of the people of his state during an unprecedented winter storm. Cruz maintains, and people accept, that he was simply taking a family vacation at this time. Now, obviously, as the leader to the people... It's inconceivable that any, any human, any person, could actually be so pathetic as to flee to a vacation during a time like this. No. What actually happened was that this unexpected cold snap met his 
suddenly surfacing Sasquatch instincts. And he did exactly what came naturally. He migrated south to avoid the harsh weather. He could no more ignore this instinct, this sense that he must travel then he could hide the pathetic look of loneliness and sorrow that's forever present in his eyes that seems to shout I shouldn't be here I belong in the forest. I belong with my own kind. So it wasn't really his fault that he uh, abandoned his people, in, in human terms, abandoned. And so you see, we cannot judge Theodore Cruz to be a pathetic human because of his actions. In reality, he is and always has been a pathetic Bigfoot by birth. And naturally, he struggles to grasp even the most basic concepts of humanity morality, dignity, decency, basic logic, uh, basic socializing, basic hygiene. Yeah, he, he is not a spineless weasel of a human being. He is simply a pathetic mistake of a beast. Thank you for allowing me to give you today's dose of the truth. If I'm not here next time, then it's already too late for everyone. Some say that the wise man sleeps with one eye open. Only a fool trusts what his own eye tells him. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed the multifariousness of our diverse variation and diversification for a non-redundant or repetitive span of time that is close to or similar to 60 minutes, which they tell us to classify as an hour. But it's too bad for them, because the construct of time has no hold on us. For all we know, this could have lasted nine hours. And I personally hope we wake up from our acid trip soon.
Remember to visit Patreon or send stars or tokens on social media to keep everyone weird because so are you. This has been Sam Jenny, Ronan Daly, and Joshua Rex from Everyone's Weird and So Are You. Produced by Josh Keach, Sam Jenny, written and directed by Sam Jenny and Ronan Daly.